disinformation, Joe Rogan, and ad accountability. That's what we're talking about on this week's episode of Sounds Profitable, Ad Tech Applied, with me, Brian Barletta. And me, Ariel Nissenblatt. Thanks to Podsites for sponsoring this week's episode. Podsites, podcast advertising insights and attribution built for advertisers, loved by publishers. Go to podsites.com for more information. Brian, it's been a while. How are you? Yeah, ya? it's been it's been longer than we had planned. I'm, I'm doing good. How are you? I'm swell. We have a podcast name change. We are now Sounds Profitable Ad Tech Applied. We are because we're starting to expand Sounds Profitable with so much more and make it available in uh, the public feed instead of on the private feeds. So why don't we run down what the new changes are? Let's do it. So you just mentioned we've got a bunch of different podcasts as part of the Sounds Profitable ecosystem. So this one is Sounds Profitable Ad Tech Applied. We've also got our narrated articles, which come out weekly and are really great for people if they don't want to read the articles, but they still want to consume them. What else? Well, we also have the narrated articles in Spanish, too, which is really exciting. And then the newest edition is the download. So that is a weekly digest of everything that you need to know and why you need to know it for the people in the podcast business space. So me and Evo right now and very soon, two new hosts are going to be reading through 30 plus different sources of news every week to make sure that we're on top of everything. But we're going to condense it down, not just podcast news, but total business and entertainment and ad tech and advertising industry news into 10 minutes or less so that you can catch up if you just couldn't read anything that week. I don't think it's a substitute even remotely for reading pod news every day, and I highly encourage you to do that. But if you need that download right before you start the weekend, that's our goal, and that's what we're trying to accomplish there. The download is great. I've been listening to it to just get a quick catch up. And yes, very much recommend the download. And then we also have another podcast. It's the Podscape podcast. And that one's really cool because it is user generated, actually. We need your help in order to make the Podscape podcast a thing. So what do we mean by that? Yeah, so there are 500 individual companies on the Podscape, and that's growing. And we encourage every company that feels they fit between advertiser and listener to submit in there. Now, not every company is a good fit. We can't add everybody in there from every small shop and whatnot, but we do want you to submit for consideration so we can get you uploaded into the image. But the hard part is, is just an image or even a link to your website doesn't really tell the full story about your company. And what we do is we provide five questions that I've already pre-recorded using Rumble And we provide that for you to click the link, answer the questions, and we put that into an episode. We make a headliner with that. And then from there, we share that because we want more people to know about every company that's in this space. And we want to provide you with an easy way to tell your story. So that's our way of giving back. The Podscape has a lot of use cases. And just to be super clear, Podscape is... It's a portmanteau of podcast and landscape. So it's a really awesome image from Magellan.ai and Sounds Profitable that shows all of the podcast and podcast related companies out there and how they're connected and who they're owned by and everything. And it's really great. And so this podcast is meant to give an audio version of that image. And it's a really great way to stay tuned as to what's going on in the podcast world, especially if you are trying to get into the podcast world. Lots of different use cases. I'm a big fan of the Podscape. Yeah. My dream is that we get to the point where we have conferences that have QR codes and companies can put that on there. So it links to it and you can hear an audio file. So you understand their pitch. We save 10 minutes of everybody talking about what their company does on stage and we get right down into the, you know, the meat of it. 
And also, if you're new to the space and someone says, hey, do you want to have a meeting? Their website's going to tell you their pitch of it. This is me asking them five questions and their responses to those questions to make sure that it's a good reason for you to meet with them or what you need to prepare before you start talking with them. So we will have a link in the show notes to the Rumble asynchronous recording that you can use to upload your audio. And let me just be clear, this is a different rumble from the rumble that we're going to mention in today's episode about yeah. disinformation, and we'll explain. <laughs> um, well, let's dive into that part. Yeah. We have one more piece of news that I wanted to touch on, which is that we are very excited to announce that we recently hit 4,000 subscribers for our newsletter, and we are really grateful to everybody who is a subscriber. And if you're not yet a subscriber, you can do that by going to soundsprofitable.com and just giving us your email address, and then weekly you're going to get an amazing newsletter from us that includes an amazing article about ad tech. That, yeah, you know, it's so funny. We're 17 months into Sounds Profitable, and the entire goal was just to empower the people that are working day in and day out to do the groundwork, to do the education, to do the leadership in this space. And I wanted to provide actionable data. And so it's so exciting to see 4,000 people are interested in it. We have more than half of every single newsletter gets opened by everybody who receives it. And it makes me really happy because I'm truly passionate about this space. And I know that so many of you can better yourselves, your career, and just your state of mind by hearing about what we can do better in this space, how we can unify together, and ways that we can make our jobs and lives easier. So thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing to the newsletter. And let me tell you that the plans we have for 2022 and on for Sounds Probable uh, have already exceeded my wildest expectations. But just know that we have so much more for you and it's completely free and we just want to help. Heck yeah. So since it's been a while since we have recorded this podcast, just a quick refresher. At the top of the show, Brian and I chat a bit about what to expect in the interview that you're about to hear. Then Brian will interview somebody in the ad tech space about something going on within podcast ad tech. And then at the end of the episode, I will come back and I'll give my takeaways and Brian and I will have a little bit of a discussion. So let's get into it for this week, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. So this was a big week in the podcast world. We're recording this at the beginning of February 2022. And it was also a big week for misinformation and disinformation and the difference between those two. And it was a big week for Spotify and it was a big week for Joe Rogan and Neil Young and all of the related search terms. It's been it's been a week and it's been a week that my dad even asked me what podcasts are because he saw it in the newspaper. And that's always a good week in my book in some ways, although this one was a little bit more stressful than others. How has the week been for you, Brian? Yeah, I've gotten a lot of questions with people asking me <laughs> about uh, what, what's going on uh, with Joe Rogan, with the calls to action to have his podcast removed or censored, with pot- Spotify's role as a publisher, as a platform, as an advertiser, uh, all of it. And it's been very interesting to really dig down. And I want to make sure people are clear here that Spotify's relationship with Joe Rogan is as a publisher. And Spotify also is a platform that allows podcasts that meet their terms and conditions to be on their platform. And then Spotify's relationships with musicians is kind of a payment-based one. So this whole situation with Neil Young and other artists, and even some podcasters deciding to no longer be associated with Spotify because of their choices as a publisher and their choices as content moderation is really notable because Mm -hmm. Spotify straddles so many different areas. But I will tell you from a financial standpoint right now, every time we talk about this stuff, 
every time we get people riled up about it. And until there is change, we're just advertising for it because Spotify does make money off of people listening to Joe Rogan. More people are going to listen to Joe Rogan as a result of this. And there's more ad dollars spent. Spotify, I like as a company overall. I'm disappointed in these current decisions, but I, I really think that we're going to see some change or some lines drawn or some splitting of companies or whatnot uh, to justify a lot of this. But po- this is a good eye-opening experience for podcasting to realize that we can't jumble it all together and just say, well, that's how it is. Can dissect it. We can do better. Yeah, uh, we're definitely at an inflection point, And that is the fact that we're at an inflection point here and the fact that podcasting can have an impact, make an impact on this discussion is something that you and your guests today discuss on this week's episode. So today you are going to be chatting with Claire Atkin, who is the co-founder of Check My Ads, which is an ad tech watchdog. Brian, how did you first get in touch with Claire? You know, I, I've been such a big fan of Claire and her co-founder Nandini, and I've been following them for years in the work that they've done in this space. We met on Twitter. Uh, I think someone else also got us an introduction. We've just been talking. And since they became the first nonprofit ad tech watchdog, uh, you know, I've been uh, a contributor. Uh, to their their nonprofit. So we've had so many great discussions. We've realized that podcasting needs to know or the people in the podcast space really need to know about this information. And it was just a great opportunity for two friends to catch up and really talk about the space. Your conversation is about ad tech on the whole. But folks who are listening to this podcast should listen in for specific tips on how podcast publishers can make sure to check their ads and to be on the right side of this issue. And something that I found interesting while listening to your interview was that it pairs really well with an article that you put out a few weeks ago in Sounds Profitable. January 25th was when it was published. The article was called Solving Podcasting's Programmatic Issues with Trust. And Brian, why do, why do I say that that one relates? Do you know? Yeah, so a lot of that was covered in a Verge article about how uh, the identification of a publisher's inventory and an advertiser's ads uh, weren't aligning correctly to make sure the right ads were going in the right place and the wrong ads weren't. Um, we're in an inflection point where we've spent so much time on this technology and we believe that it works automatically, but the truth is, is that it still requires inputs and outputs from humans and people need to still bless the results and they need to say that this does work for them and does meet their standards and principles. And in podcast, well, not even just podcasting, in advertising overall, we're skipping steps. And we are simply saying, well, the advertiser isn't responsible to know what their categories are and the publisher isn't being encouraged correctly to say, I don't want this information. I don't want these ads or these companies on there. Uh, and we're hitting kind of an inflection point where, especially in podcasting, where because it is so intimate, which everybody hates saying, but it's absolutely true, an offensive ad or an ad that doesn't align with the content you are listening to can be so rage inducing, can stop you from listening to that podcast, can take you to Twitter to complain about it, that we are we have the spotlight primarily on us and and you're right that that does align there because this is that's a great way for those things to sneak in on the ad side into the content or the content to mislabel themselves so they get ads and they monetize their their awful content all right so brian why don't you introduce us to your conversation with claire yeah awesome i'm excited for all of you to listen to my interview with claire atkin co-founder of check my ads (laughs) 
So my name is Claire Atkin, and I co-founded Check My Ads with Nandini Jami, and we uncover the economic relationship between hate speech and disinformation and the ad exchanges that send them ads and money. I love that. Well, I want to ask a quick question on that. When you uncover that and you you make it visible to everybody in the space, your goal is just to point out that it's happening, right? Like you're saying like this ad is on this piece of information and then you're making it available for them to decide what they do next, right? That's right. Every major ad, ad exchange really has a policy that says they only work with premium publishers. They don't send ads and add money to publishers that promote violence or COVID-19 disinformation or what have you, they don't adhere to their own policies. And so when we point this out, usually the ads get dropped or the publishers get dropped. What I really like about that is you're taking the public response that these companies have said. They say, these are our standards. And you're taking the advertiser's response and saying, this is what we want to be associated with. And you're just pointing out that this content with examples doesn't align with what anybody has publicly said, and then you kind of turn it over for them. And so far, it seems that everybody who has engaged with it has realized the mistake and realized that the partners that they're choosing to work with might not be scrutinizing the inventory as well as they could. And we're kind of seeing a big change of that. We're seeing the reality that publishers can't or shouldn't be able to automatically sign up to just receive money. A human needs to vet that against their policies. Ad tech can help a little bit by saying like what category of scrutiny you need to put into it, but overall human has to kind of look through it. So my first big question to you is what should buyers, publishers, and ad tech companies each be held responsible for in that advertising ecosystem? So there's a chain of command between the advertiser and where the publisher gets the ad. And that chain of command loosely goes like advertiser, agency, ad exchange, and then the publisher. And our general advice to buyers is don't trust anyone along that media supply chain. Don't trust the agency. Don't trust the ad exchange. Don't trust the publisher to maintain their own publisher standards. You have to keep an eye everywhere along the supply chain. And that's why we called our company Check My Ads. It's because we need you to check your ad campaigns yourself. Get those log level files, remove the personal information. We don't want anyone tracking anyone else, but yeah. see where your ads have gone and identify the websites that are brand unsafe for you. Maybe even go so far as to build an inclusion list and make sure to have brand safety guidelines. So those brand safety guidelines, they're there so that you can communicate what is and is not appropriate use of your ad campaign down the chain of command. When those brand safety guidelines are not adhered to, if you've communicated them clearly, that is your cue to demand refunds. Yeah, or stop working with those partners, all of those things. You're, what you're saying when you say don't trust them is you're saying you need to audit it yourself. You should be working with partners that provide you the transparency and the ability to double check or check your ads where they're placed appropriately. Those partners can help facilitate it. An agency can get you spend across way more than you might be able to do internally. An ad exchange might be able to get you at a price you want or at targeting you want. That's all fine. But what you're saying is you can't just trust these people in the sense of like handshake, they're going to do what's in your best interest because you're one of many clients for them. And 
There's no reason why you shouldn't have visibility into it. This belief that if you know exactly where they're buying, you'll just go circumvent them and and spend directly. That fear isn't real because they could have done that from the start by just not working with you and going to find those publishers through basic research that's probably cheaper. So this is about visibility and holding people to standards and holding them accountable for when you spend money with them. I love that. Exactly. And and so what can agencies do? Well, agencies in their turn, they don't want their clients to be upset. So yeah. how can they make sure that their clients' ads are not funding hate speech and disinformation at a time when we are in a disinformation crisis? So the first thing that I tell agencies is you have to understand that disinformation works in networks. This is not a page-by-page decision. This is not a website by website decision, you have to make network by network decisions. That is to say, if Charlie Kirk is on charliekirk.com and humanevents.com, you can't just take off charliekirk.com. You also have to look at where else he writes, where else he is prominent, what other companies, publishers that he owns. So, The first thing is to get a brand safety specialist on board who understands disinformation because it's not super easy. I understand that. But there are some key pieces of knowledge that they must have so that you can not only speak to your client, but also get the job done appropriately. And then the second thing is maybe start to move clients away from real-time bidding because the system is not working very well in this particular way. And that's an opportunity to be creative again. I think it's part of a larger conversation to have, sort of bigger picture, but it's an exciting one. It's a creative one and it's what agencies were meant to do. Yeah, I think that we've been lazy as an advertising industry relying on technology to just do as much as possible so that we can move on to the next task and we're not even monitoring the equipment anymore. That's part of the problem. And when you say real-time bidding, I, I think what you mean, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is you mean open marketplace. Right. Programmatic is a neat workflow to make sure that you're buying exactly what you want if you do direct deals and private marketplaces. But the open marketplace means anybody who sends up, signs up to that vendor that you're buying from is eligible to get your dollars if that vendor says that everything works. And that is just proving to not have as much value. That's why you're saying have an allow list from the start and say, these are the places I want to be and continue expanding it instead of reactionarily removing things from a big open place where you're never going to catch. That's right. I think direct sales are still the most pragmatic way forward if you want to support journalism and if you want to stay away from things that are not going to help the ROI of your campaign. And you asked, what can ad tech do as well? And that that's a really simple one for me. Like, ad tech should stop working with white nationalists. <laughs> ad tech needs to... Yeah. Ad tech needs to start to draw the line. How do they draw the line? Well, they've already started. Have clear publisher policies. Be specific about what you will and will not accept into your inventory and have a clear contact email when people start to have questions. So when I contact an ad exchange and ask them why they're still funding Charlie Kirk or Dan Bongino or Glenn Beck, I want to be able to contact them easily and quickly so that I don't have to go to Twitter, so that I don't have to go to... whoever whoever's running their social media so have a clear policy 
make sure to adhere to it, enforce your own standards, and then have a feedback loop. I, I love all of that. You're you say don't have white nationalists on there. And I super agree with that completely. But just to like fully circle that up, what you mean is if you have a policy not to support this type of content, you have to remove that content or and even more. So you should have ways to make sure it never ends up on your platform in the first place. I believe there's a network that you've talked about that uh, is at rumble that like is super cool with that type of content. But as an advertiser, you need to know what you're buying. And if that's what they're selling and they're okay with it, that sucks. That's not where I want to spend my money as a consumer. Those are not the companies I want to buy products from in the future. But as long as everybody in that loop knows, I'm not happy with it, but there's not. it's not the same problem you're trying to address. You're saying when someone says, we have perfectly vetted content that follows these standards, and then you're seeing this garbage on there, that's the problem because advertisers are believing that statement, spending money with them, and you're pointing out saying like, hey, this isn't true. And like, Kind of a child could have vetted that and proven that right. That's right. If you say that you never work with publishers who promote violence, don't work with publishers who incited an insurrection. Yeah, that's that's pretty clear cut right there. And you mentioned uh, working with a brand safety specialist. Um, you know, we'll put it in the episode details if you have any links to it. Is there like outside of check my ads? Obviously, this is stuff that you do. Is there anybody else out there that you can point to? How do people find out more about this? Is this a career path that people should start exploring? Because the two of you have built this into something really awesome. But there's there's room. I mean, there's people on Twitter that engage with you and help hunt this stuff down to make this visible. So people aren't funding all of this. Is this something that we're going to see expand in the future? Yes, we will be expanding into training and education simply because we are desperate to welcome as many people as will come into the tent where we understand how to draw a line. So the very first thing that I would suggest is to sign up for Branded, which is our newsletter. Fantastic. Checkmyads.org slash branded. And that's the place where we have these discussions. We're putting out more and more information as time goes on. We are right now hiring in research, in editorial. We are going to be increasing the amount of content that we put out, not for content's sake, but because there are so many stories to tell and so many ways to understand how disinformation is still being funded by the ad tech system. Our mission is to defund disinformation entirely from this system and we're going to need everyone on board. I love that. It's it's so cool because I think that, uh, you know, the three of us have a similar experience that we were in all these roles where we saw these things and we pointed them out and everyone's just like, just kick it down the line, right? Like you can't fix it. It's big machine. That's how the industry works. And it feels like in the last few years, a bunch of us said, no, we need to talk about this. Maybe everybody's going to ignore it or a bunch of people are, but enough people will hear about it that they'll want to join fixing these spaces because there's value in them, right? We we still need, companies need to be able to advertise to grow as a business, small businesses, especially in these things. They're the ones hurt incredibly by this because they don't have the power to fight against this stuff. So it's it's really cool to see not only that the work that you've done, but that you're working to educate people, right? As a nonprofit, you want as many people with this mindset, with this skill set out there changing the ecosystem for the better. And I, I really applaud that. It's very cool to see. Thanks. We 
we want more people to be able to draw the line. And I know you work in podcasting and podcasts are featured prominently in media this week because <laughs> <laughs> because we're starting to have that conversation very publicly, Neil Young and everyone who supports a free and fair democracy and health information that can save lives is taking a stand against COVID-19 disinformation on Joe Rogan's podcast. Now, yeah, that is a huge deal, of course. And we're here because podcasting is a central force of our town square. It is a place where we are having cultural communication, cultural conversations about important topics and it feels intimate and it feels trustworthy and if you're advertising on podcasts where information is being shared that is going to lead to the to harm to violence and to discrimination that is bad yeah yeah no i agree with you and so what's your general but podcasting is so different as a format, but it it's so intimate and everybody laughs when we say that, but it is, it's in your ear. People are listening to this right now. They are focused to it in a way that a, an article isn't going to get across them. So podcasting has tons of problems the same way blogging does the same way the ad tech space does. What's like your one thing that you would tell the podcasting industry to prioritize to get ahead of this so that they're not seeing as many of the issues as we're seeing in the rest of the the disinformation space. I want to give you like the technical details <laughs> of what I think we need to do. But honestly, I mean, you know, Brian, that podcasting is led by people who are generally white, people who are generally men. And what we need for the entire podcast industry to do is to take a stand and say, no, we will not flirt with white nationalism. We will not flirt with misinformation, disinformation for the purpose of discourse, for the purpose of having a debate. We are sick of hearing that it's worth platforming people who want to hurt minorities, who want to spread chaos for the sake of the conversation. That is a bad faith understanding of what we need right now. While anti-democratic forces are rising, the podcasting world has to take a stand. I I agree with you on that. And if it was all for the debate, for all the discourse, then those would be ad-free feeds, <laughs> right? Like in that situation, if they were like, that's the problem. These people have keyed on to something that, that monetizes well. The ads that these people sell, even host red work very well. And that shows that this is not necessarily what they believe. It's a business. And that business is dangerous and harmful to not just the country, but to the world. Uh, and podcasting has a real opportunity to get ahead of it. So I thank you so much for your time on this. I really hope that everybody in the podcast world uh, subscribes to Branded, donates to Check My Ads. Sounds profitable. Absolutely does donate to Check My Ads. I'm such a big supporter of it. And I really am going to make it a priority to make sure that more people in the podcast space know about you two and all of the things you do, because this is not specific to any one media format. But podcasting has the opportunity to get ahead of it and make real change quickly because there is a lot of problems in podcasting with this type of content. Thank you so much for joining. Thanks, Brian. Brian, 
I have a lot of takeaways from this episode. Here are mine, and please feel free to add to them as I go through my bullet points. Yeah. First of all, I was very swayed by you telling us to subscribe to Check My Ads newsletter, which is called Branded, and it's at checkmyads.org. I went to sign up for it. I went to subscribe to it, and their website is very beautiful. Right. So I think for that reason alone, folks should check it out and, of course, subscribe. So, Brian, you've been subscribed to it for a bit. What can folks expect from that newsletter? I think they do a really good job of pointing out all of the problems in the space and how they're working to solve them. I think they're great at giving you stories and narrated examples of specific incidents instead of talking in generalities. And they they link to a lot of the work in the space. I mean, they admit themselves that they're just two of many people working uh, to better the whole advertising space. And that's really transparent on how they link to other stories, how they highlight other people on Twitter that are working with them. Uh, but what you're going to see there is action, calls to action, and the results of those actions. And and I think we talk a, a good deal about that uh, in the episode today. And I'll just say, a few months ago, you turned me on to check my ads, and I've been following the co-founders for a while. And a tweet that I see pretty often is Nandini adding a publication or adding a brand and saying, hey, do you know that your ads are running on this white supremacist website? And then often they'll reply and say, oh, we did not know that. We're going to take it off right now. We're going to figure out how to get that off right now. And so that's what that's the practicality of this situation. Just in case you needed a real life example, that is how this works. And sometimes it needs to be done publicly on Twitter like that. But yeah, generally speaking, they are they are watchdogs and it is very cool to behold. And one of the ways that we can be aware of all the things that they're doing is through their newsletter. So I recommend subscribing. Yeah, yeah it's it's fantastic. It's one of my It's one of the newsletters I never miss. Love that. Next up, there is no substitute for human checking of these ads and of where your ads are popping up on the internet. And you mentioned this up at the top of the show. Automations are great and all the ad tech that we've got out there is working to a certain extent, but some things slip through the cracks. So Claire advocates for pre-air checks. That's in the podcast space. And also for keeping an eye everywhere along the supply chain. What does she mean by that? So in the scenario where you're giving someone else the right to represent your brand and put your ads in different places, a a brand really needs to, you know, understand each partner, their ethics, their process, their transparency, and their accountability, right? So if you agree with them on where you're going to run and you don't run there, how do you hold them accountable? What's your contractual right to do that? And this is a great reason to evaluate either working with someone who has reputable or evaluate bringing in internally. But that whole supply chain is everything from the publisher, the technology partner that sits in between, and the agency that can manage it. And each of those can be expanded out substantially. But the biggest thing, I think, is transparency. There should never be a point where a brand doesn't know where their ads are running. The fear that that's going to lose somebody's sales is laughable because it's about the execution. It's about the relationship and the management. If it's just about the inventory that you're hiding and it's succeeding for people, that's not a value proposition, right? That's just a time bomb waiting to go off when you lose that. So that's what she means about the supply chain, right? Keeping an eye on every part of it and knowing every single piece of that infrastructure that you are choosing to interact with or your partners are choosing to interact with. Yeah. And it might be time consuming, at least at first to build up, but Ultimately, it's worth it because you're making sure that your brand is not being associated with websites that are not brand safe for you and that would dilute your brand. So with that, Claire suggests building a list of websites or of spaces that you do not want to be associated with and to have brand safety guidelines. 
Yeah, that's. I think that's really important. And even still going the other way, creating a list of places you do want to be associated with. Mm-hmm. We think of, you know, publisher direct is so easy to execute for a big brand and a big publisher, right? You don't need that many to get the reach that you want. But as you start to expand, you decide that you want someone to manage or technology to help with getting access to more inventory, right? That's why you work with a bigger team or that's why you work with these tools. It's okay to start using a tool that can get you a million different podcasts and say, I only want 10 and then choose by listening to them, by having someone review them, by having someone suggest them to add it to 15 to 20 to grow it from there. It's not a race, right? There's like going about it the right way is worth the time and effort. And that's why either you take it internally or you find an agency who's willing to do that for you. I think maybe it'll be helpful to give an example of this. So I recently bought Bombas socks. I love them. I bought them a year ago and I want to buy more now. So I just did actually after I heard about it on a podcast, Bombas, then I went to bombas.com. This is not an ad. And I bought socks and I was thinking about how later that day I saw Bombas pop up on almost all the websites that I went to. And in this situation, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm Googling things like best podcasts about history and I'm scrolling down and I'm seeing Bombas. And that's interesting. Um, first of all, in and of itself. But what if Bombas pops up on a on a disinformation website about the vaccine? Bombas probably does not want that, right? So that could be avoided by Bombas having a, a list of websites that they don't want to appear on, a list of websites that they do want to appear on, and keeping an eye on their entire supply chain. And so that's what this concept of checking your ads that Nandini and Claire are advocating for will do for a brand. 100%. The, the focus is everybody, the humans are accountable for this. The tech can make the job easier, but that's just it. It's easier. It doesn't completely automate it. It doesn't absolve you of it. You can be reactionary and you can be called out on Twitter because you have no other way for people to contact you to dig into this. And that, that's not the goal. The goal really is that we don't get to that point. You're not fighting for a refund. You're not upset that someone's got a screenshot that your brand is on that site before you spend money spend time and resources to make sure you want to get on the places that these partners are going to put you. That's the takeaway. 100%. That's the takeaway, baby. One more yeah. is that podcasts are important because they are a big part of the town square, this discourse that we have. You know, anybody can create a podcast. Anybody can put their thoughts out there. And we're at a point in podcasting where we can set a precedent to not work with white supremacist related publications to run our ads. And, I would like us to really take that seriously. I I agree with you. And uh, this is where I have to put on the grossest hat I can wear. Oh, boy. I personally don't want to see that. I don't want to see it monetized in any way at all. But I understand that an advertiser has the right to endorse and monetize whoever they want. I do not want to see advertisers accidentally monetizing content that is disinformation and that is hateful and violence causing and all of this awful stuff. And I don't want ad tech to be caught in the middle of that, right? Like it's not going to just magically catch it. A human still has to use it to validate it. But if an advertiser says, yeah, I want to be on that, that's also an outcome that's acceptable because for me as a, as a consumer, I can look at that and say, I just won't buy from you. 
right? And that's mm-hmm. that visibility is just as powerful. I don't think any aspect of check my ads out here is shaming an advertiser into not being on, on this content. They are simply saying, are you aware? Because the trails that we trace to figure out how you're there suggest you probably not because those companies and their technology suggest that you should never be on there. And that's what it's about, right? Is the brand aware of where their ads are running? If the answer is yes, awesome. One less thing for me to buy. If the answer is no, great. Time to be educated by a great group like Check My Ads. If you want to connect or have any questions or comments, feel free to reach out to us on social media at Sounds Prof News, at Brian Barletta, or at Ari This and That on Twitter, podcast at soundsprofitable.com for email, or you can reach out to us via the Yappa link in the show's description. This show is recorded with Squadcast, my favorite tool to making sure that me and Ariel sound and look the best when we're recording. Squadcast offers video and audio recording that make my remote sessions for the podcast and the product deep dives a breeze. Check out more at squadcast.fm. Make sure to check out the other two podcasts from Sounds Profitable. Sounds Profitable's narrated articles and the download by Sounds Profitable. Both have their own feed and are linked in the episode description. Thanks to Evo Terra and Ian Powell for their help on this episode. 